Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.29 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I am one minute early for today's show, which is episode 859 of Bitcoin and today's Circle P is my own. This is a house that is in Colorado that we go to all the time. I love it. I hope you do too. Its name is Aspenwood, and you can escape to Aspenwood, your serene retreat nestled by the Lake Vallecito, which is just a stone's throw from the towns of Bayfield and Durango, Colorado. It nestled in lovely southwest Colorado, talking 13,000-foot peaks that you can see more than one right from the house. It's just an amazing, amazing spot in Southwest Colorado. It is a spacious three-bedroom, three-bath haven, and it boasts an open floor plan with modern wood flooring, a welcoming living and dining space, and a kitchen ready for any culinary things you might want to pull off. Wake up in plush bedrooms, each with its own charm, and unwind on a deck that invites wildlife right to the doorstep. Just five minutes from the lake, indulge in dining, shopping, and endless water activities. Aspenwood isn't just a stay, it's the gateway to your next adventure. Book it now at vrbo.com forward slash 1990106. That's 1990106. I'm telling you, man, I wouldn't bring this shit to you if I didn't think that you guys wouldn't enjoy it. But spaces are filling up for the summer. So you're going to want to get in on it. Uh, we got an average price of 247 a night. Again, it's three bedrooms, three bathroom, fully stocked kitchen in the middle of one of the most beautiful places on the planet for under 250 bucks. I'm, I'm telling you, I've been in shitty hotels that charged me more and I did not have views of 12,000, 13,000 and 14,000 foot Peaks. We're talking mountains that go way above the tree line. You're talking the classic picture of the mountain that go so high that there ain't no trees on the top of it. All right, so let's get on with what's going down today. This is breaking, and it's probably one of the pressures that's adding to the sell side news that we're seeing on uh, Bitcoin, and we're seeing we're seeing a big red dildo, and it's it's not fun, but there's a couple of things that are going on. The first one it was last week, and I brought it to you. $1.6 billion was approved by a judge that Genesis could sell of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust shares. So I think Genesis is engaging in that. But then we've got this one from the UK. The National Crime Agency is apparently some watch, some group in the UK that is a, I guess, some kind of crime enforcement thing. It's the National Crime Agency. And their news today is that the international investigation has disrupted the world's most harmful cyber crime group. The National Crime Agency is today, Tuesday the 20th, February, revealing details of an international disruption campaign targeting Lockbit, the world's most harmful cyber crime group. Okay, so that's what's going on. So there's that. Now, I scanned this article. There's there's actually no word about Bitcoin at all. They say that they've, they've seized some cyber assets. And apparently this is the most harmful cyber crime group in the world that you've never heard of, right? Because I've never once heard about Lockbit. I, I just, I smell BS everywhere. There's nothing, there's nothing in here about how much of anything was actually seized. They just say that they, they see some, some, some cyber, some, some crypto and they, 
and this cybercrime group that is the most harmful in the world that you've never heard about has been eviscerated. So I don't know, man. I, I think that this is all, it's all BS, but it's not, it's not adding uh, at all to a buy side pressure on the markets for Bitcoin this morning. No, no, no. Waking up this Tuesday, the day after President's Day with some, what do we got? I got four, I got four red hour uh, candles in a row. We're sitting at 51, 112 and 64 cents. <coughs> but yeah, I, I just, I final word on this, just to reiterate, I smell BS. There's something about this story that doesn't, it doesn't feel right. I've never heard of the National Crime Agency. It's, this news is breaking in, in a couple of different places. One of them is breaking on, on Trading View in their little news, news thing, which I should probably not be looking at. But I've never heard of National Crime Agency out of the UK. I've never heard of Lockbit. They may make no mention of how much or of what kind of cryptocurrency was seized. And I've never heard of Lockbit. If anybody is in the chat with me today, like Cloud Fodder, who just zapped me 420 Satoshis, thank you. If you've heard of Lockbit, let me know. If you haven't heard of Lockbit, let me know that shit too. Do that in the chat over here on zap.stream. All right, here we go. Bitcoin holdings on Coinbase has reached the lowest level since 2015 as whales are withdrawing $1 billion worth of BTC. Prescient jaw from Cointelegraph. Bitcoin holdings on Coinbase crypto exchange have fallen to their lowest level in nine years as users move a significant chunk of their holdings off of the exchange. And according to a report from CryptoQuant, Wales moved 18,000 Bitcoin worth nearly $1 billion off of Coinbase over the weekend, with transfer values ranging from $45 million to $171 million. Coinbase's public order book now holds around 394,000 BTC, which is estimated to be worth around $20.5 billion. Wales moving their BTC holdings away from centralized exchanges is considered a bullish sign as less Bitcoin is available for sale. However, users on social media are divided over the nature of the transfers. Some believe the funds are being moved to custodial wallets in anticipation of a price surge with the upcoming Bitcoin having just two months away, creating some kind of supply shock, while others believe that the, un- that the moved funds could be used for liquidity at over-the-counter trading desks. Others have suggested that the funds could be going to a different custodian and that they aren't individual withdrawals as most of what's in these exchanges doesn't belong to them anyways, so this number should be a lot lower. With every Bitcoin halving cycle, the amount of new BTC entering the market is reduced by half, creating a supply crunch as demand grows. Currently, around 900 BTC is mined daily, while Bitcoin ETF's daily net inflows are about half a billion dollars or 9,650 BTC, despite Grayscale registering nearly $100 million in daily outflows. Post-April halving, the daily amount of BTC produced will be reduced to about 450 BTC, with institutional demand continuing to rise. The massive supply-demand gap has historically proven bullish for the Bitcoin price, with new all-time highs coming within a year of the halving. Bitcoin is trading at around 52,000, its highest level since December of 2021, and that's down 25% from the all-time high of around 69,000. So supply shock may be incoming, but this is just to demonstrate that there, there is some significant movement of whales taking their BTC back into their own custody, or at least, at least what we know is that they're taking them off of Coinbase exchange and other exchanges are probably seeing some of their uh, BTC stack dwindle as well. But that's just what's going on today. So next up is Honduras. Going down to Central America here. Honduras bans crypto and banking, bucking the regional Bitcoin trend. That's right. They decided to take the gun out of the holster, load it, and shoot themselves in the foot. And then in the head. But Jose Antonio Lanz will tell us more about it from Decrypt. Banks in the Republic of Honduras are forbidden from engaging in cryptocurrency transactions according to a decree from the Honduras National Banking and Securities Commission 
a move that places the country at odds with the growing trend of cryptocurrency acceptance in Latin America and beyond. A CNBS circular issued last week and signed by CNBS President Marcio Gavani Sierra Descua explains that the country's government implemented the banned ban to protect the financial system and the public given the legal void surrounding the technology. Quote, cryptocurrencies, crypto assets, virtual currencies, and any other similar digital assets are not regulated, issued, or controlled by the Central Bank of Honduras, but are used as financial assets and their use as a means of payment or investment instruments in the national territory is carried out under the responsibility and risk of those who carry out such operations, the document reads. The ban prohibits financial and insurance institutions to maintain, invest, intermediate, or operate with cryptocurrencies, crypto assets, virtual currencies, tokens, or any other similar virtual currencies not issued in or by the country. The document also prevents those institutions from offering services to those dealing with cryptocurrencies and the trading of derivatives like crypto ETFs. The regulator, meanwhile, demands that institutions work on the creation of an education plan to inform about the potential risks of using cryptocurrencies, assets, virtual coins, and similar virtual assets. This regulatory action starkly contrasts with the crypto-friendly policies that are emerging in the region. Its neighbor, El Salvador, has declared it a legal tender and legalized the use of all digital assets as a means of payment. Argentina, under its new president, Javier Malay, is expected to pursue a crypto-friendly approach, despite Malay's inconsistent opinions on Bitcoin. His view has swung from considering Bitcoin and all cryptocurrencies as fiat substitutes with no value to praising Bitcoin as a natural response from the private sector to being sued for promoting crypto. Ponzi schemes. Venezuela has a legal system that recognizes cryptocurrencies as a means of payment, and Brazil also passed a bill to legalize crypto payments and is the country uh, with the most crypto ETFs being traded at the National Stock Exchange. A Honduras ban on derivatives is also notable given the U.S. approval on January the 10th of 11-spot Bitcoin ETFs which fueled a robust recovery in Bitcoin's market price and a spike in the whole crypto market. Across the Pacific, Japan has recently approved crypto assets as viable instruments for venture capital firms. This legislative change, part of Japan's new capitalism policy under Prime Minister Fumio Kishida, is aimed at actively cultivating the country's Web3 industry, oh boy, bolstering the strategic investment environment and supporting local startups. On February the 16th of this year, The Japanese cabinet approved the inclusion of cryptocurrencies among the assets that local investment limited partnership firms are permitted to acquire or hold. Honduras Central Bank has not responded for a request for comment from Decrypt. All right, so again, I am seeing, I'm seeing a trend. Bitcoin is not going away. So therefore, right, therefore, we're going to have to live with it. That's what they're saying to themselves. But they don't understand it because they were so busy pointing and laughing at us that they dismissed the opportunity to gather up a good education about what's really behind this. All they see now is that there's there nobody's going to be able to stop this. So the only thing that they can do is put in a stopgap measure so that they can at least slow down the adoption in their particular country so that they can figure out what the hell they're actually going to do because this isn't going to be permanent for Honduras. It can't. They've got too many neighbors that are going to engage with this and they cannot be left out. Honduras ain't exactly a rich country right now. And El Salvador is gaining some serious steam. And El Salvadorans are going to want to do business with Hondurans and they're going to want to do it with Bitcoin. This particular article or bill or whatever this thing is called, this paper that the central bank put out that says no, is just not going to fly. It's just not. I, it is, that's why I'm not worried about it. But it is, it is what it is. You know, let's move on. Uh, flood of money from crypto super PACs. The political action committees? Yeah, 
could fund potential challenger to Elizabeth Warren. This would be funny. I would laugh, laugh, laugh. Coin Telegraph, uh, Turner Wright. Senator Elizabeth Warren suggested potential attacks on hers and Representative Katie Porter's 2024 campaigns could be funded by corporate money connected to crypto supporters. In an interview with Pod Save America released on February the 18th, United States President Barack Obama's former speechwriter, John Favreau, questioned Senator Warren on the Republican crypto enthusiast John Deaton, who was considering challenging the Massachusetts senator for her seat in the 2024 election. Senator Warren, who hates all things Bitcoin, suggested corporatists could attempt to spend any amount of money needed to back challengers to her and Representative Porter. Quote, your push to regulate crypto has seemingly attracted a potential challenger to you in your Senate race. That could mean a flood of money from crypto super PACs, political action committees, like the one attacking Katie Porter here in California's Senate race. End quote. Favreau was likely referring to Fairshake, a super PAC backed by crypto firms including Ripple and Coinbase, which released an ad spot in February claiming Representative Porter took campaign contributions from Big Pharma, Big Oil, and the Big Bank executives. Andrew Sheeler of the Sacramento Bee rated the ad as mostly false for misrepresenting companies that had donated to Porter's campaign as significant institutions in the industry. Quote, corporate special interests are spending millions to distort my record, said Representative Porter in a February 14th Twitter post. According to Senator Warren, neither her campaign nor Porter's accepted corporate PAC money and relied on small donations in the race for two U.S. Senate seats. In the interview, she defended her push to pass the Digital Asset Anti-Money Laundering Act, or the DAML, claiming that it was not so that crypto was too complicated to regulate. Quote, there are all these gaps in the system when it comes to crypto. And the consequence of that is that crypto has become the place to go for the drug traffickers, the human traffickers, the rogue nations, the terrorists, said the Massachusetts senator. Quote, there are some crypto folks who have giant buckets of money to spend, and so they hired this lobbying army to go out against Damel. End quote. Election day for the 2024 candidates in the United States will be on November the 5th, with control of the House of Representatives, Senate, and Presidency potentially able to go to either Republicans or Democrats. Cointelegraph reached out to Fairshake for comment, but did not uh, hear anything back. Okay, so what what do you think? You think Elizabeth Warren is going to be uh, unseated in her long-standing run as senator of Massachusetts? I wouldn't bet on it. Why? Because I haven't seen any credible challengers step up to the plate, and if they were going to run... If they were really, really going to make a play for it, they would have already been advertising like demons. And nobody really has been, at least against Senator Warren. I don't know what the hell's going on in California, but I hear, a, I, I pretty much stick to, you know, I, well, I don't stick to it, but I'm more concentrated on what Elizabeth Warren is doing because she's clearly more dangerous, even though she's never really passed a bill in her entire senatorial career, in either event. I don't expect her to be unseated. We're going to have six more years of this character. So just buckle up for it, okay? And don't be all sad when nobody steps up to the plate to actually try to give her a senatorial bid, because I just don't think that that... I I think it would have already happened. Uh, Where are we at here? Uh, All right, Bitcoin ETFs see a record... $2.4 $2.4 billion weekly inflows and BlackRock apparently leads, and this is Coindesk, Christian Sandor is writing it. Demand for Bitcoin exchange traded funds accelerated again last week as they raked in a record $2.4 billion of the $2.45 billion that flowed into digital asset investment products, crypto asset management firm CoinShare said on Monday. Allocations to the newly approved U.S.-based spot Bitcoin ETFs overwhelmed the $623 million outflow from Grayscale's Bitcoin Trust, the incumbent fund that converted into an ETF structure. 
BlackRock's IBIT and Fidelity's FBTC attracted $1.6 billion and $648 million over the past week, respectively. Quote, this represents a significant acceleration of net inflows distributed widely among various providers, indicating an increasing interest in spot-based ETFs, said James Butterfield, CoinShares Head of Research. Soaring demand for the new Bitcoin ETFs occurred as BTC hit 52000 for the first time since December of 2021, and investors are eyeing new all-time highs for the largest crypto later this year. Weekly inflow into the wider crypto asset class also hit a record, the CoinShares report noted. Bitcoin accounted for 99% of the total debt inflows into crypto funds with Ether products experiencing the second largest inflow of $21 million, according to the report. <laughs> wow, last das. 4,200 Satoshis, brother, thank you. And good to see you here, man. I'm glad that, glad that you could drop in. But right now, we're going to run numbers. CNBC Futures and Commodities, West Texas Intermediate Oil is down just scant, but it was down kind of bigly early on today, but it has recovered mostly back to $79.17. Britain or Sea, however, is down one and a quarter to eighty-two fifty-one. Natural gas, well, doing its thing, it's down two and a half to a buck sixty-eight per thousand, and gasoline is down over 2% to $2.28 a gallon. Gold doing well. Up three quarters of a point today to 2039. Silver is down one and a half. Platinum is down scant. Copper is down 0.76%. And palladium, no, it's not down. It's up. It's up three quarters of a point. Palladium is also up over three full points. Ag is looking pretty mixed today. Biggest winner is going to be chocolate. Five and a half percent to the upside. Wow, that's a hell of a move. And cotton is the biggest loser. 2.82% 2.82% to the downside. I got live cattle and it's down 0.17%, but lean hogs are up three quarters of a point. Feeder cattle are up two thirds of a point. The, in, the legacy financial indices are looking kind of grim today. Uh, I don't know what their problem is, but the Dow is down a third of a point. The S&P is down almost a full point. NASDAQ is down about a point and a half, and the S&P mini is down 1.13%. So there you go. I'm going to just look at bonds. And the reason I'm going to look at bonds today is because of this because of this uh, quote from Lynn Alden. Hold on. I, I don't know why I did not get that, get that up here. Uh, just bear with me. It'll be worth it if you haven't, if you're not following Lynn Alden on uh, Noster, or primal, then uh, you're you kind of missing out, man. She's she actually is she's pretty damn funny, honestly. Um, she, so she says, <laughs> a decade ago, I was in my car at a stoplight, and there was a bunch of seagulls eating a discarded bag of fast food in the intersection. When the light turned green, the car in front of me went slowly to give the seagulls a chance to fly away, but they didn't. Instead, the car's tire just slowly ran over a whole pile of seagulls who just kept going after the fast food as they were run over. I just watched horrified as this played out. Every once in a while, I just wonder why the seagulls never got out of the way, despite how slow the threat was. Anyway, looking at the bond market reminded me of this again today. (laughs) I find that, I find her sense of humor very appealing. This made me freaking crack up because she's all this time. She's talking about this pile of seagulls just slowly getting crushed because they're just, they're so fixated on this bag of shit, fast food, this poison that they shouldn't be eating in the first damn place that they can't even get out of the way of the wheels of a car. And she's talking about the bond market. The bond market will not go away. Now, today, bonds are actually mostly down. The 10-year is down eh, like 0.04%. 20-year is down 0.028%. And the 30-year is down 0.022%. 
But there's, I mean, these, these bond prices, this, which I think that that's what she's talking about, is that they're still elevated. Inflation is not going to go away. The Fed is not going to reduce rates. Now mortgages are at an all-time high. And you know what I saw? The January 2024 report came out from, uh, I can't remember the name of the company, but they track real estate. They're seeing a spike in bank foreclosures. Not only a spike in completed foreclosures, but a spike in foreclosures that the process has begun on. And it takes a while for a full foreclosure to actually go down. I'm not exactly sure how long it takes, but it's not something you do in a day, right? So now the starts are going up. Those that have been completed have gone up. We're seeing we're seeing the cracks in the real estate market. These people, especially anybody with an adjustable rate mortgage, are getting pounded. And and of course the bond market, as I finally I finally figured it out month you know months ago, and I should have I should have known this years ago, but I didn't. The dollar index, the stock market index, whether they're foreign, domestic, none of that shit matters. The only thing that matters to the world's financial markets is the United States Treasury bonds. That's it. That sets everything. And when you got somebody like Lynn Alden, who's comparing it to a bunch of seagulls slowly getting crushed because they just fucking don't know any better to get out of the way, you might want to take a peek and See what the hell is going on. Now, we got a price of Bitcoin at 51230 bucks. Market cap is still over a trillion dollar, $1.01 trillion to be exact. There is 19,632,811.74 BTC in circulation. The average block size is what? Eh, average 1.71 megabytes. The hash rate is 564 exahashes per second. And the average fees per block are one third of a Bitcoin. The block space percentage for the last 30 days on average for the ordinals and inscriptions, you know, taking out the trash, has risen to above 2% and now stands at 2.2%. I know, that's something you can probably cry about. It's That shit's not going away either, so just be aware. 202 blocks carrying 147,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear high priority transaction rates are 24 satoshis per vbyte that's about a buck 72 low priorities you're going to get in at 20 anything under 4.7 you're going to get yeah, well your transaction is going to get purged for mempools around the world i got a hash rate over here from mempool.space forward slash mining that's suggesting 554 x hashes per second so it looks like uh, the differential between the two uh, mining numbers are not that high from the genesis effect Episode 858 of Bitcoin and starting with Dubrovko. He'll hit, he's one of the guys in the Circle P. He will get you set up with Black Soldier Fly Larvae. Uh, he's had some uh, some freezing occur uh, because he's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, if I remember right. And Texas had some serious issues with cold temperatures and it kind of messed him up. But he's... He's spinning more larvae back up, and by the time spring runs around, Dubrovko is probably going to be able to set you up. I will bring you uh, his Circle P information in later shows. Anyway, for 15000 he says, thank you for covering them. I'm looking forward to trying out that eCash wallet thing with the pub key from Noster. Have fun. Stay safe. Dubrovko, again, with 1450 says, great episode. Many great episodes. I've listened to almost every one, but missing the boosting. Thanks for the shout out over a week ago. It was a great icebreaker with my love interest about the different ways we both want to affect the world. Please correct me if that should have been effect in the previous statement. You know what? I don't know. I'm not going to worry about it, Dubrov. I just, I don't care that much. The BSF larvae are being rebuilt after the freeze. Here we go. I'm looking forward to getting some of that sweet maple syrup and soap myself. The news just keeps handing us bangers. Yeah, brother. I hear you. He's talking about maple trade. If you want some uh, maple syrup, go over and find uh, Beisnerds, B-E-I-S-N-E-R-D-S, either on Twitter or Noster. God's death with 537. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. Pies with 420. Has a bunch of emojis. Pies with another 420 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. James 
420. That's James 420. David, you fucking legend. Not sure how to not sound like a dick. It's James with a Z 420. Maybe you got it right this time. Stay humble. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Julian Assange appeals in most important press freedom case in the world. That's going on today. This is brought to you by NoBSBitcoin.com. London's high court has scheduled two days of hearings on Tuesday and Wednesday to decide whether WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange may appeal a United States request for extradition to stand trial on espionage charges. Assange will not attend court due to illness. I I don't know if this guy's going to survive. Quote, the 17 charges of espionage from a district court in East Virginia stem from Assange's publication in 2010 of hundreds of thousands of pages of classified U.S. military documents on his website, WikiLeaks. Those charges carry a maximum penalty of 175 years. But the real danger, says Assange's wife, Stella, is that he may suffer an inadvertent death penalty instead. Quote, his health is in decline, physically and mentally. His life is at risk every single day he stays in prison, and if he's extradited, he will die, Assange's wife, Stella Assange, recently told reporters. Quote, if Wednesday's decision goes against Assange, his legal team plans to appeal to the European Court of Human Rights, though a favorable ruling there may not come in time to stop an extradition. The files, widely reported in Western media, revealed evidence of what many consider to be war crimes committed by United States forces in Iraq and Afghanistan. They include video of a 2007 Apache attack helicopter in Baghdad that killed 11 people, including two Reuters journalists. Quote, this case is the first in which the United States government has relied on the 1917 Espionage Act as the basis for the prosecution of a publisher, Jamil Jaffer, a professor of law and journalism at Columbia University, told Al Jazeera, quote, a successful prosecution of Assange on the basis of this indictment would criminalize a great deal of investigative journalism that is absolutely crucial to democracies, she added. Assange has already spent seven years in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, where he sought asylum, and since 2019, he's been in London's high-security Balmarsh prison. All right, so Stella Assange, that's the, the, the end of the article, but Stella Assange has, has made a statement today after, I guess, what is the first day of this two-day of uh, appeal hearings. Now, remember, the the appeal is just that that this court case is about appealing the United States extradition. That's all this is. It's an appeal for the to the. It's it's actually a hearing as to whether or not he gets the right to appeal. This isn't the appeal process itself. This is the high court determining whether or not he has enough of a case to make an appeal. But Julian Assange's wife Stella had a three-minute statement earlier today. I'm going to play it for you in its entirety right now. I just want to speak a little bit to you because uh, it's only a handful of us inside the room that actually can follow the proceedings. So I wanted to tell you about what was going on in there. Uh, We opened and uh, we talked about Julian's political opinions and his political motivations. And they are clear. And they're unchallenged, which is to expose state criminality. And what happens when you expose state criminality? The United States has taken a political, politically motivated prosecution against a journalist because he exposed them committing crimes. And so what's going on inside this courtroom is to determine how the extent of the cover-up. How is this court going to deal with this case? We heard 
that the case was only brought after the United States said uh, that it would do anything to prevent the International Criminal Court from examining an investigation into uh, U.S. activities in Afghanistan and, of course, WikiLeaks evidence um, in the publication that Julian's indicted over are part of that case. WikiLeaks has been used as evidence in uh, the European Court of Human Rights and other foreign courts to expose state criminality. And the United States is abusing its legal system in order to hound and prosecute and intimidate all of you. What's at stake is the ability to publish the truth and expose crimes when they're committed by states. The outcome of this hearing today will make it clear the extent of the cover-up. The only fair... I, I shouldn't even talk about fairness at this stage because the country that's trying to extradite him plotted to murder him. What are we even entertaining in these courts? How can any... Um, How can, how can you, you how, how can you even, even entertain, entertain this hearing, hearing knowing what, what we know? know. It's, it's all, all on the public, public record. record. And yet it yet continues. continues. It's only a handful of us in that room, but you know what the stakes are. You understand what this is about. It's about you, it's about us, it's about the public's right to know. It's about the right to be able to speak freely without being put in prison and hounded and terrorized by the state. Thank you. All right. She's kind of trying to hold it together there pretty much, you know, she's obviously in distress. I mean, that, that we're actually kind of all in distress because I think it's come to the point where most of us, we just can't understand why we've so many people from so many different countries have tried and tried and tried to get this man out of jail. And we can't. We can't. Short of gathering up 100,000 individuals that are heavily armed and storming the prison and taking Julian Assange by force and getting him to some other country, I, 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 don't, I don't see how this ends with anything but Julian Assange either dying before he's extradited to the United States or getting extradited to the United States and dying in transit or shortly after he gets there because it's just going to break whatever will he has left. And it sounds to me like he doesn't have any will left. I don't know what to say about any of this anymore, other than the fact that I'm ashamed of the actions of the United States federal government, not of Americans, not of the people, not of the citizenry, because we are a country divided, not between red and blue, although there's the case to be made for that, but more so than that, we're divided between the citizenry and the people that run the federal government. And the people that run the federal government, in my opinion, have just turned into a bunch of criminals. Maybe they didn't set out that way. Maybe they weren't raised that way. I don't know. I don't care. All I know is what they're doing to this particular man, without even getting into the rest of the stuff that they do, is abhorrent. It's reprehensible. They are all reprobates. Now, we might have a reprobate down in El Salvador. I don't know yet. I, I, my jury has been out on uh, the president of El Salvador uh, for quite a while. But this particular one, this does not help put him into a, even a, a close to a better light. 
NoBSBitcoin.com, El Salvador ex-security advisor who accused the ruling party of corruption dies in custody. Alejandro Mushant, a former national security advisor to El Salvador's government who had accused a congressman from the ruling New Ideas Party of corruption and drug trafficking died in state custody in unclear circumstances, his family told reporters. Mushant's family said the prosecutor's office told them he died in the state hospital on Wednesday where he was sent after suffering a stroke. A preliminary report found that he died of pulmonary edema, a buildup of fluid in the lungs, according to documents published by local media. Quote, Alejandro was arrested last August for alleged crimes that President Nayib Bukele listed on Twitter, including leaking documents to journalist and former leftist president Marcio Fuentes, who is now based out of Nicaragua. In a post on Twitter shortly after Mushant's 2023 arrest, Bukele said that there was evidence he helped Fuentes evade capture. Prosecutors accused Fuentes, or Funes, I guess is how you pronounce it, of tax evasion and illicit association and failure to perform duties over the gang truce negotiated in 2020, no, 2012. Funes denies negotiating with the gangs. Mushant was the cousin of Ernesto Mushant, a former mayor of San Salvador, the capital, who is now in a psychiatric hospital and himself facing legal proceedings over alleged electoral fraud, breach of duty, and gang connections. Quote, Bukele said Mushant had leaked evidence against New Ideas Congressman Eric Garcia to avoid a looming investigation. Garcia was fired from Congress last August and is facing a trial at a yet unknown date for allegedly altering official documents. Mushant's death comes days after the landslide re-election of Bukele, who won fierce popularity for a crackdown on gangs that shelved civil liberties and saw over 60, nope, 76,000 Salvadorans arrested in mass without due process. Of 218 reported deaths in the two years since the gang crackdown began, 36 have been attributed to pulmonary edema, rights group Christosal told uh, Reuters. Alejandro also was an avid Bitcoiner and Noster user. One of his last notes was posted on August the 3rd, 2023 to Noster, where he says, sorry, I haven't been around here. I have a shitstorm going on on the Xbird app. I have exposed corruption inside the Salvadoran Congress. Now, some congressmen that are afraid of being exposed want to axe my head. Okay, and you didn't really hear from him since because he was arrested. And now he's died from a pulmonary edema. And I find it odd that 36 deaths of the 218 deaths that occurred in El Salvador after this, during and after this gang crackdown have been attributed to pulmonary edema. That's not something that young people actually get a lot. It's odd. So I don't know what, I don't know what to say. I, I wanted to like Bukele, but this just looks bad. This looks bad. It looks bad. It, it just looks like he's just another fucking scumbag. And I'm tired of scumbags. I just, why do we have to live in a world with people that are just so horrible? I mean, how are you raised where you become horrible? What happens in a young man or young woman's life that causes them to have no empathy, no sympathy, just develop the development of sociopathy. I, I don't get it. There's so much thing, so many different things to experience in this life that don't have anything to do with taking somebody else's. I mean, really we're still dealing. I, I know it's naive to think I'm just saying out loud what we all need to really be considering on a daily basis now is how do we get rid of these fucking people? And how do we do it without ourselves finding ourselves in prison? What can be done? Can anything be done? Or is this the natural state of the human condition? And I really don't want it to that, that answer to be, yes, this is the natural state of the human condition, because that kind of means that we're all scumbags. And I don't want to be a scumbag. I really don't. I think there's a lot of stuff that humanity could do that would be awesome and inspiring, but instead we're busy trying to figure out new and 
nifty ways to give people that don't like us pulmonary edemas while we've got them arrested in prison. But enough of that. Coinbase Commerce Merchant Payment Processing Platform no longer supports Bitcoin. Remember when Circle stopped taking Bitcoin? I remember when Circle stopped taking Bitcoin and now Coinbase has done it as well. It's in a particular vein, but it's still that they're not accepting Bitcoin. Coinbase has removed support for native Bitcoin payments on Coinbase Commerce. Not Coinbase, Coinbase. Coinbase Commerce claiming it was too big of a challenge for the company. Oh, too big of a challenge? NoBSBitcoin.com is writing this one. Customers can use any self-custody EVM wallet to pay. The fastest checkout is with any native asset or ERC-20, including wrapped Bitcoin on L2s. Customers can also pay with any asset in their Coinbase account, including Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Doge, said Lauren Dowling, product lead for Coinbase Commerce. Quote, the new commerce product enforces the details of each payment on chain, supports hundreds of assets, native and ERC-20s across Base, Polygon, and Ethereum, and automatically converts payments to USDC on-chain at a guaranteed rate to merchants. Quote, customers retain the ability to pay with UTXO assets like Bitcoin from their Coinbase account, which accounts for a significant portion of the Bitcoin volumes we were seeing before making these changes. Since making the changes, the results have brought us much closer to executing on our mission, which is seeing higher conversion rates, less manual effort, and glowing feedback from many merchants, as was stated in the post. Quote, we believe paying with crypto is going to primarily happen on layer two in the future, and we want to help make that happen. As I've shared separately, we're in the process of integrating Lightning into Coinbase. They've been doing that for months, over a year. They've been integrating Lightning into Coinbase. Again, I smell BS, but whatever. Hopefully, there are opportunities to make commerce payments with Lightning in the future, added Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong to date. Coinbase is still looking into how to best integrate Lightning after announcing it. Back in April of last year, merchants who want to integrate Bitcoin payment support into their businesses can easily switch to BTC Pay Server or ZapRite. And I highly recommend that you do that. Coinbase is not your friend. Coinbase is not Bitcoin's friend. It never was and it never will be. They are 100% shitcoiners. And the fact that they cannot figure out how to integrate Lightning into Bitcoin after almost 10 months either says something about their technical prowess or says something about them straight up lying to everybody that they were going to do it. I'm under the impression that with the amount of money that Coinbase has, they can easily hire a company to come do this for them, but they aren't. So I don't think it's a technical prowess issue. I think they're lying. I don't think they have any intention whatsoever to integrate Lightning. I don't. Which means that they're just going to go full Ether shitcoin retard. And it's sad to see. There's not much we can do about it. But that's where we're, that's where we're at. All right. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, before, instead of doing the little music break, I'll just go right now to the very embarrassing book of dad jokes. Let's see what we got. What's black and shoots out of the ground shouting knickers? Crude oil. This is very British. These are, these are very, very British jokes. That's what's going on here. Why shouldn't you play cards in the jungle? There are too many cheetahs. So that's a good one. I like that one. Uh, what's green and goes up and down? A gooseberry in a lift. Again, British. What's huge, pink, and wobbles? An inside-out elephant. It's like they didn't even try. It's like they, they didn't even try. All right. Remember, send messages out today if you're going to be anywhere close to your social media accounts, What no matter what they are. Send free Assange messages. Uh, maybe we can get it trending. I don't know. It It bugs me that we're here. 
It bugs me that I got a guy in a Bukele prison dying of pulmonary edema. He was, he's got the dude looking from his, at his picture. He can't be, he can't be anything but under 50 years old. 50 year olds don't get pulmonary edemas just chilling out in prison. Not unless somebody's beating the living snot out of them all the time. That would do it. You know, taking body blows all the time. That would, that's possible. You could get a pulmonary edema from that. But no, man, just walking around or sitting around and, you know, playing, playing ball in prison, you're not going to get pulmonary edema. I got this poor woman who's been married to this cat that's been in essentially prison for the last, well, since 2012, at least ever since he ran from, uh, I can't remember what he was running from, but when he, he ended up at the Ecuadorian embassy, she's beside herself. She can't see her husband. When she does see her, well, she can see her husband, but all she really sees is that he's dying because he told the truth about something that honestly should have been investigated at the level of the Pentagon in the United States military armed forces. That The, the video showed very clearly that these guys were not, I, they, they were shaking, most of like, I think one of them had a rifle. I get that. But the other people plainly had cameras. Those were the two Reuters reporters in that in the video of the Apache attack helicopter blowing these dudes up with a 50 cal. No, man, no, no. That that's unacceptable behavior at any level. And this shit should have been investigated. And the fact that Julian Assange brought this out into the public and a lot more, a lot more he brought out. You know, it just it just tells me that the people that are in power, they don't, they don't care about you. They're more concerned with playing their games. And that makes them very, very dangerous. However, it could make them very, very distracted, like the seagulls from the Lynn Alden story. And I hope the latter is, in fact, the truth. I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.